This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hi friends, welcome to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Happy June. I feel like this means summer is really officially here and I am so excited for it to just be warm and happy for a few months. I've harvested the first strawberries from my garden and I've even made some jam, so I'm just really feeling the summer vibes. Like most of you, I've been feeling a lot of feelings over the past few weeks as we've seen the news of so many mass shootings in our country, as we've seen people be shot while they've been going grocery shopping or going to church or going to school, as in the case of all the children and teachers who were shot in Texas. And these things weigh very heavily on me, and I hope they always will, because I think one of the most important things we can do as humans is to be aware of each other's suffering. I've been calling my senators and calling my congressmen over the past few weeks, asking them to support legislation that will help prevent these kinds of tragedies in the future. This is a small thing. This is a thing that is not enough, but it's a piece of what we need to be doing, and it's a piece of where we can start for change. And so this is a reminder that if these are the things that are weighing on your heart and weighing on your mind, that you can take action, that you can demand of people in power to make the kind of policy changes that are necessary to protect us and to ensure that we have the freedom to safely live our lives. It's important to know that your senators and your congresspeople they work for you. And so when there's an issue that's close to you, when there's things you're concerned about, it's your right and it's your responsibility to reach out to them. You can also donate money to support organizations that are working to help with positive policy changes. And that's one of the other things I've done. I donated to Every Town, and the link for where you can learn more about that organization and support it if you would like is in the show notes. My guest today is Ashmay Hoyland, who is a Utah writer who I have long admired. And I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with her. We're going to talk all about what the process of writing can do for your life and especially how it can help you when you're going through periods of transformation. After the shooting in Texas occurred, Ashmay wrote this really wonderful poem. And so before I share my interview with Ashmay, I just wanted to take a moment and read this poem that she shared on social media. The same day purple irises opened across the city, Darkness swallowed children in a school. Mist spread like wet cotton across the country. The moon is waning. It builds itself back together, full and round like a mother's stomach, bright as the emptiness we grasp at. What changes? When and how? The whole earth must mourn the way we are captive to ourselves. The irises closing into themselves in the cold night, our collective heart a sinking stone. This second, amend. 
Ashmi is someone who writes a lot of meaningful things. She's someone who has a perspective that I greatly value, and reading her writing has helped me to reflect on my life differently. So I am really looking forward to hearing this conversation I had with her, and I hope that it might inspire you to try a little bit of writing. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, Ashmi. I'm really excited to visit with you. Before we get started with the interview, will you take a moment to introduce yourself for me? I will. I'm really happy to be here also. So my name is Ashmi Hoyland or Ashley May. I'm not picky about it. People call me many different things. And yeah, it is an interesting question to be asked to introduce yourself <laughs> because I've done different things. I've been a writer. I've written several books that one book that was published through the Maxwell Institute at BYU, one book who was published through a small press called BCC Press. I've done several projects via Kickstarter. A lot of the work that I've done has been based around kind of community support and grassroots type work. I've taught, which is how I know you initially, online writing courses for about four years now through a platform called Mind to Tell. A friend from my graduate program and I started that and we've since taught hundreds of students and it's one of my favorite things ever. And currently I teach high school English as well. I've jumped around to many different, many different things <laughs> for better or worse. I think it's really cool to hear about all the different pieces that make up a story. I think especially for people that are creative, it's really interesting to see how different projects become other projects. So like you mentioned, like you're an artist, you're a writer, you're a teacher. Have you always been a writer? Is that something you've been doing since you were a child or is that something you came to later? Can you tell me a little bit more about your background as a writer? Yes. I mean, maybe it's the one consistent thing that has stuck with me over the years. I definitely always wanted to be a writer. Like I remember uh, probably in first grade, them asking the, the teacher asking the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, even then I always said, I want to be a writer, which I'm sure was just a, I was an odd little kid. So Sure, they just said, I'm sure you do, Ashley. <laughs> yes, so I have always loved and just been enraptured by the process of writing, by language, by the way that I am moved, by the writing of other people. So I wrote a lot of high school poetry, wrote a lot of bad college poems, and then I, I ended up doing a master's degree in creative writing. And that was the first time that I really took my writing seriously. And even then, that's debatable. So I wrote, I did a graduate degree in poetry, and then I just continued writing from there. And then I was asked to write my first book. I'd written for several blogs as part of their team. And through that, I was asked to write my first book. And then it's just, it's been a process since then. That's really cool. So like you mentioned, I took one of your writing classes. And even before I took your class, I knew this from what you shared on social media and from my experience with reading your work, but that for you as a writer, you don't just view writing as a end product, but also you view the process of writing as being a valuable opportunity for self-exploration. So can you tell me a little bit more about how that belief developed for you? Was that something that came later in your writing journey or is that has something that you've always like seen writing as an avenue for? That's a great question. So I would say for me in my personal writing process, it has always had a lot to do with the actual act of writing. I once went to this conference where this man gave a talk about the idea of 
spiritual writing, which I would say was my first kind of initial entrance into writing. And he talked about this idea that often writing can be a portal into other realms, into other spaces. And it's not necessarily the end product that is the like spiritual thing and that it that word used in a very broad sense, but that the actual act of doing it, that that process of writing things that surprise you, that you didn't know were headed in the direction that they went as you were writing, for me, is one of the most exciting things that we can experience in life. In part to have a story or a, an idea or an experience and in your mind think, oh, I've got this. I know what this means. I know what the meaning is. I know what I learned from this. And when you sit down to write through it, you recognize like, oh, I didn't know anything about this. This is very different than what I had anticipated. And it's not that the first initial response to it is incorrect, but it's often through writing that I've discovered that things are much more complex, much more interesting, and often more beautiful than I had probably given them credit for. Writing is work. I think anyone who's had experiences where they've written things, even if it was in a school setting where maybe they weren't choosing what they were writing. I think that's something we understand. And I think with writing, as you were saying, like that you learn different things about an experience and you realize you have a different understanding of it. Writing for me forces me to follow thoughts through in a way that keeping them in my head does not, in a way that I can like let things stay because I fill in the gaps. But when I write, I have to follow them through. So I love what you say about that. It gives you a different and often a more beautiful understanding of the experiences you're sorting through. Yeah. Yeah. And writing is for sure work, but I think sometimes it gets a bad rap. Like I think there's a very big difference between creative writing and like when I think of my husband writing his dissertation for his PhD and both require a ton of exactitude and intensity and paying attention and editing and redoing. But for me, I often find that when the process of creative writing becomes only work, I have missed something. And that doesn't mean that there aren't times that I'm not frustrated with it or don't want to do it. But I do think that there's there's a lot of value that comes in doing the work when it feels joyful. I love that. I love thinking about it like it's work, but maybe not a chore. Like there is definitely things in my life that are work that take time, that take energy, but they're not a chore. Like it's work of like self-discovery and it can be so joyful and that's really magical. Yeah. And I have to remind myself that and pay attention to how my body feels about something. Like usually if I'm trying to force a piece of creative writing, and it is starting to feel like a chore, it's probably a good sign that I can switch gears, that it's time to try something else out, and that maybe I am insisting on writing the answer that I think should be there rather than the answer that is living within the writing. That's so interesting to think about and just the ways that like shifts change things. So you've written a few books, and I know that you're in the process of another book. And this is something that I think is true for a lot of your projects, but right now I'm specifically thinking of A New Constellation and how A New Constellation is a book that you wrote like immediately after receiving an MS diagnosis and something, I can't remember the wording because it's been a while, but just that you were talking about like that you were writing something in real time, like exploring these feelings in real time. 
And I wonder if you can talk a little bit more, maybe it's about that book specifically, or maybe it's about a different point in your life, but just how using writing to understand life transitions, what the roles that you that's played in your life, and maybe what you feel like the benefit of that is. Yes. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up and you worded it perfectly. Because yes, it was a book that I wrote in real time. I, it's a very short book and I wrote it in about three weeks. Yes, like right after I was diagnosed with MS, literally the night of, because when you have MS, they give you a lot of steroids to fix it. So I was like not sleeping and in a very intense, <laughs> like intense for many ways, but steroids make you very intense or me at least. So I, I wrote that book immediately after. And I just, I knew that if I didn't, if I didn't grab on and take a hold of the details and the way that I was perceiving and processing the world and information, and even the way that I was viewing the world in that state of mind, I just, I knew that if I did not write it down, I wouldn't remember it. And it actually would just, it would have just passed me by and it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a pivotal shift in my life. In some ways it would have like logistically, yes, I go every six months to get an infusion of medication and like I have MS and it, it doesn't affect me that much, luckily. So it really wouldn't have been a super pivotal point in my life, but because I was able to process the way that I was understanding the world and specifically through writing, it did become a pretty pivotal part of my life in ways that changed me I think for the better, like it, it for sure made me more, it offered me more empathy and just a, a pause in that moment that I, I might not have taken otherwise. Let me be clear. I am not, I do not always do this. Like I'm not always taking my own advice. And there are many moments that have passed me by that I have not written about, but I will say I'm always glad when I do. And my advice for people and it, it doesn't have to be like an epic event to be able to have your perspective or your understanding of the world shift slightly. Like it feels these little tectonic shifts where everything just moves just enough so that things look a little bit different. My advice would be to remember that you have ownership over a very specific perspective on the world. And it might seem like, oh, this is so obvious. Everybody sees the world this way or everybody experiences this. And that's not true. Like I imagine you and I have a lot of similarities, but also if you were to write about like any experience that you and I both have shared, it would be very different from both our different experiences because of the culmination of all of our life's history and and what we've read and what we watch and who we know and, and the environment that we live in. So that's something that I always tell students is that don't negate how valuable you what you have ownership of is like nobody else has my backyard. And even if it's like kind of an ugly backyard and there's lots of weeds and there's like my dog who keeps digging through the fence and I get to have ownership over witnessing that as a high school teacher, like my particular classes are very different than another high school teacher's classes. I get to witness that experience from a very unique and distinct perspective. And so I think just looking around and observing and like what writing about things that you can actually touch, physically touch, things that are close enough to you that you really can take ownership of them. I love what you say about the shifts that we document, like they don't need to be a big shift, but that we all have these shiftings happening. I'm hoping I'm remembering, but I think 
It's in 100 Birds Taught Me to Fly that you have a poem talking about one of your children on the monkey bars. Oh, that's Uh, actually a new constellation. Okay, a a new constellation. That's what I'm thinking of. One of your children on the monkey bars and how like that's like a very small thing in like the world as a whole, but like that it wasn't a small thing in that world, like the change in the experience for your child. And that's something I think that your writing is a really good example of is the significance of the small details. When I read your work, I see the ordinary in my life very differently. And so I think what you said about that, like the things we have are ours to witness can give confidence if you're trying to write and feeling like what I have to say might not be important. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that is so true. I think I see so many writers and students who feel like, like I didn't escape from like another country in a war zone. So I don't have the right to tell my story. And that's just not true. Of course, those people should also be telling their stories, but their stories live and breathe because we are also telling our stories. And yes, I always encourage people to write about the smallest things that you have ownership of um, because they do move out into broader, bigger themes. But if we just write about the broader, bigger things, we don't actually say anything really at all. That makes a lot of sense. Something I wanted to ask you about is maybe the role writing played for you in your 20s. I think I've not been older than 25. (laughs) I've not been older than 25. And when this episode's air, I'll probably be 26. So I've not been older than my mid-20s. But So I know that there are so many life transitions that happen, but I've also been noticing that this is such an interesting point where so many transitions happen. Like you're graduating and some people get married and some people are working professionally and you're having to become your own person in a new way. So I'd be curious to hear about if there were ways that you used writing in that time in your life or maybe what your relationship with writing was at that point in your life. Yeah, that's a great question. And for me now, it's almost been a decade since I was in that space. I'm trying to think back. What I do know for sure is that I had very little confidence and did not believe that my writing deserved to take up very much space in the world. I was definitely of the belief that what do I have to say? And I I wish that I had been a little more audacious and a little more insistent that, yes, my writing and my words and my ideas can take up space in the world. And that doesn't mean that like I deserve to publish books in my 20s. I didn't. But I wish that I would have tried a little harder and a little more seriously and just allowed my writing to, to not be in the service of institutions or other people or trying to make other people happy. I wish that I would have like just spent a little more time in inward silence, paying attention to what that voice had to say. Because I think often in our 20s, at least I know, I was obsessed with what is my career going to be and what are people going to know me for? And am I going to be famous? And am I going to this and that? Which is fine to wonder and ask those questions. But I think that can also mean that we do a lot in service of like trying to get ahead, if that makes sense. So I wish I had done more in service of myself. Oh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think something that I gather from things you're sharing, too, is that there's value in writing in a way that like listens to the quiet voice inside of you, what the quiet voice in you is saying, not what you think the world wants to hear from you, but like writing to capture that voice of what's inside of you. For sure. And I would say, honestly, in your 20s, that's probably the 
best voice to be listening to in a lot of ways. I thought when I was in my 20s that I for sure was ready to publish a book of poetry or was ready to, I don't know, I had all sorts of big ideas. And looking back now, eight years later, I think, oh, I'm so grateful that I didn't. I'm grateful that there was some quiet time and that I, even though I was writing a lot in service of the Mormon church, for example, or writing things that I thought my professors would like, I also feel grateful that I didn't end up publishing a book in my 20s. I know a lot of people write good books in their 20s. I would not have. So just know if you don't publish, if if that is a goal, not you in particular, anyone, if you don't publish in your 20s, it's not the end of the road. And, and you might look back and feel really grateful. I actually find that very comforting because I'm someone that's always maybe like a book someday, maybe like a book someday. And I'm like, there are so many words and like, I don't even know all the things that I think and feel. So it's very comforting to hear from someone like you that has at this point published a few books and is continuing to write that you feel like that time wasn't the time for you yet, that you're glad that they came later. Yeah. And it might, for sure, I have read books and poems by 20-something-year-olds that are incredible. So it's not always an age thing, but I think for me, I panicked a lot in my 20s thinking, like, I really missed the mark. Like, I, I missed my chance. It's over. And it's not. <laughs> like I, I can definitively say it is not. That I think just is general comforting advice because I think that this is a time of my life that's sometimes a little bit more tumultuous. It's usually internally tumultuous than I wish it was. So I always find comfort when people say it just gets better. Maybe not it just gets better, but just that there's more beyond that. Oh, yeah. You're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing I really wanted to ask you about. So something that I love, I follow you on social media. I get your newsletters and you always share a lot of writing advice. So I want to ask you specifically about what your recommendations are for people who want to try writing more as a self-exploratory experience. And I'm thinking maybe this is someone that considers themselves a writer or maybe someone that doesn't consider themselves a writer, like what your advice is. Because if you're someone who likes to write, you have to get out of your head sometimes to write in a self-exploratory way. And if you're someone that doesn't like to write, you have to and you want to try it. You also have to get out of your own head. So I just, I just think that's a different writing practice. And I'd love to hear what some of your thoughts and advice are. Yeah, sure. So one, I would say, go ahead and put to rest the term writer or not writer. I feel like I see so many people coming through our classes who are a little bit obsessed with the term or obsessed is not the right word, but like very preoccupied with like, when can I call myself a writer? When am I a writer? Am I only a writer if I get up at 4 a.m. and write for four hours every day? And none of those things are actually useful, I think. It's not serving you or anyone necessarily to figure out the definition of a writer and then be that. Being a writer means observing. It means paying attention. And it really does mean that you sit down and dedicate yourself at some point to the page and to language and to words. But if you're not doing that consistently every single day, you're, you can still be a writer. If you stop for a year, you can still come back and be a writer. So that's the first, first thing I would say. Secondly, I would obviously write is you need mileage. And the more you write, the more you're comfortable swimming in those waters you are. And the more, I think, comfortable you are straying from from what seems normal, the more willing you are to follow your wild ideas and ideas that seem ridiculous or like they won't work. So going back to advice. So one, 
don't stress about the term writer. Two, you actually do need to write. And three, I would say don't worry about writing things that are going to change the world, probably ever, but particularly at the if you're feeling anxious about writing, just write what, even if what seems like the most boring thing in the world, even if what you know is like going to a desk job every day or taking care of small children in your home or going to school as a college student, like the more that you dig through those resources and the more that you examine what is already at hand, I think you'll find that those are the stories that end up changing people around you. So I often see people come in with these super epic ideas that are intended to change everything and and say everything about this one topic. And the most successful writing, I think, that I've read, that I've done, very much stay small. Um, Stay small enough that like you can pick it up and examine it and look at it. And that doesn't mean you don't say big, important, epic things from time to time, but writing things that keep you pulled back down to the earth and to the earth that you know best, I think is the most effective way to go about writing. I really like that. And I just think like when I think about 100 Words Taught Me to Fly is that's, I think, an example of a book that feels like little things that were picked up, like a stone or a flower, like all these like little memories that were picked up and examined and that it does talk about the simple things. And that's why it feels so significant is hearing about those simple things. That's what I do really appreciate as a reader. Those are the specific questions that I have. Like in this conversation, though, or related to this topic, are there things that you think are important for us to talk about that I didn't ask you about that you want to share? I think it is this funny fine line between being very audacious in the work you do and like overly confident and also staying inward. And I think particularly that's a balance in your 20s. And I would say practice both, like practice doing things that seem like they are for sure going to fail and seem, oh, this is too much. This is too big. This is a silly idea. I would say pay attention to your silly ideas and let them live a while. And that goes for writing. That goes for what you do with your writing. And I would say also don't get don't get caught up in the belief that your writing is only valid if it is validated by certain systems. So your writing is not only valid if it's published in a journal or picked up by an agent. Like your writing is valuable and valid and useful if you invite a group of your friends to your house and read it out loud to them. So it different pieces call for different ways of receiving the writing, but pay attention to those and don't let like capitalism or the patriarchy dictate how you feel about your writing because that's a it's a not fun path and i can tell you from experience that yeah that it's full of untruths and that's not to say that published writing or writing in journals or writing with agents isn't valuable it is but it's not the only way for writing to be valuable thank you that makes a lot of sense and i feel it's very useful to remember i hope whoever's listening tries their hand at writing um i do too and reading good books. Yeah. And I think, so I, if you go to mindtell.com, we are going to be offering a free monthly class starting in June, oh, cool. June of 2022. And that's welcome to anyone that's without any pressure to like buy or do more things. So if you're feeling like you are unsure of where to go, we'll have that free monthly class that anyone can join via Zoom that will walk through like 
specific techniques and prompts and ways to go about the writing. And it's a beautiful community. So I can definitely attest to that. And that's actually perfect because the last thing I wanted to ask you was where are the best places for people to find you on the internet if they want to see more about your like personal writing and also the courses and other resources that you offer? My website is always in various states of disrepair. I'll just say Instagram is probably easiest. Birds of Ashmae, A-S-H-M-A-E. And then mindtotell.com. There's a lot of good stuff going on over there. And there's tons of like really inexpensive ways to get writing and free ways to get writing through that community. Yeah. And then I send out a personal newsletter every once in a while. Can you think of anywhere else? No, I was going to say those are the places I usually find your work. And I can definitely attest that your courses are lovely, that you and Kathy do a really nice job. And I'm almost finished with my master's degree. And are you? now that I'm not, Dang. yeah, now that I'm going to be done writing for school, I'm planning on writing more and I'm really excited Yay. to use your resources for that. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Yes. And sorry, I was sick last week, but I'm glad we did it this oh. week. Oh, you don't need to apologize. I'm so glad you told me. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much to Ashmi for her time. I was so excited that she agreed to talk to me and I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you are wanting to find me on social media, I'm on Twitter at Madeline K. You can find this podcast on Instagram at Not A Backup Plan. You can support this work on Patreon and that link is in the show notes. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. It's so helpful to hear what you're thinking and those kinds of things help the algorithm give this podcast to more people and I'd love for more people to be able to listen to this. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Feel free to send me your thoughts on social media and until next time, remember this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.